This is the Husky Half-Braid Show, where Race Bannon and iDog discuss all things Husky. Episode 7, November 27, 2007. Jim Moore for President Headquarters. How may I direct your call? Uh, please, um, your um, financial aid department, please. <laughs> is it that time again? Exactly. It is. It's that time again. Do we, do we let do we do we let our listeners know when when we um, start this thing? Four Why not? Four o'clock on on Tuesday afternoons. I can give you out the number if they want to call in. (laughs) (laughs) The phones are open. It's your show. (laughs) Call now. True enough. I'm actually, uh, just for our listeners, a little more inside, behind-the-scenes Husky Half-Brains talk. I'm uh, driving northbound of Interstate 5. It's a mobile podcast tonight, and it's mobile. How far north are you heading to? Where are you going to? I'm I'm at Fort Lewis, heading home to Seattle. To my undisclosed location. Is it, do you have Bluetooth, or you got this um, this phone to your ear, causing havoc for everybody? Oh, I'm a safe driver. Okay. No worries there. You know, it's worth it to make sure <laughs> our work's done. <laughs> if I've got to take out a few other drivers, hey, that's the price of freedom. Now, I want to, you know, I want to offer uh, the option of perhaps. Me calling you back at a later at a, at a later time is is that something you would prefer? No, this is uh, it's multitasking. It's a nice way to spend the drive. How how long is the drive going to be? Uh, it's probably going to be just about right. Well, actually, it won't be seventy minutes. <laughs> uh, kind of depends on the Tacoma bottleneck, but uh, probably about a forty minute drive. Okay, okay. I just want everyone safe. I'm one of the you know. Traffic out there—it's getting hectic. And Not too bad here at uh, Fort Lewis, where our troops are busy defending our freedoms. Absolutely, freedoms that the University of Washington Athletic Department aren't particularly enamored with. I'd like to No, they're—they're into, <laughs> into the censorship, closing down debate, uh, stonewalling. What do you think? Is that am, am I accurate? That's pretty much what I'm getting. Um, I know we're persona non grata. I mean, of course, the athletic department probably doesn't know we exist, but. Anybody that has any above-ground connection, you know, they're staying away from us. And, and most controversy, there have been some brave souls. Derek Johnson deserves credit for being brave. Uh, as usual, most of the rest of the people are kind of just waiting until he's gone, and then they'll they'll tell you how how much they were in favor of that. And of course, the real mystery in, in Seattle this week is uh, does the Seattle Times understand there's a story here somewhere? <laughs> I mean, we only knew that there was a story, uh, you know, what is this? This is Podcast 7, so it's been two months ago. We knew that there was a story brewing. Nobody nobody is addressing it. Uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, it's it's right there in front of everyone's face. If they look and compare our friend Ty Willingham's record to past um, Pac-10 coaches who have performed at or below his level, uh, the vast majority, or all of them, all of the uh, coaches that were not employed by Oregon State were fired after three years. 
So this is, you know, this is what I've always claimed. You know, there are those on on this in this debate who are hair on fire, who are true believers, who want to take that ridge at all costs. But we've never had to we've never had to stoop that low. Ours is a purely intellectual pursuit. Well, it is. I, it, to me, the the times in the Seattle media are amusing. Uh, KJR is taking an active campaign against the internet and Husky fans in general. Any Husky fan that isn't just pleased as punch with Willingham's record, which the only two guys worse than him are Oregon State coaches from the eighties, uh, and, and you know, the the overriding tenor of either being ignoring the story completely or KJR actively attacking um, dissident Husky fans is that what the heck are you guys complaining about? What I mean, you can see the improvement, can't you? Uh, you know, and the latest one I've noticed this week is this out of thin air, mythical, great recruiting class that Ty's putting together. You know, it's like, oh, we've got to protect the great class he's putting together. I right. what? You're right. Where's if, that come from? Yeah, if, if you say it, um, you know, over and over again, maybe people will believe it. I, I think there there was, uh, you know, Bryant at ABC made some sort of comment to the killer um, recruiting class that he was, he was putting out of control. And it was just ridiculous. I mean, you know, at that time, there was only four of the 14 commits had other Pac-10 offers. I mean, it's he, we, are, we have a bumper crop this year, but there's nothing that suggests that we're going to get all these guys. And, and if, you know, we, if we miss on just one of them, like what we did with Stewart and what we've done, you know, with um, Taylor Mays, you know, it only takes, you know, one guy not making it in to really, really hurt the class. We need all these guys. We need all the help we can get. And, and the scuttlebutt has not changed. That The feeling is that those guys are going to be at least the top two guys. I think they're, are they out of lakes? I think those guys are going to be. Uh, yeah. Well, look, this whole thing is now we have to wait and see if Ty can recruit them. You know, we have to wait and see if Ty can get a winning record. We have to wait and see if Ty can get to a bowl game. We have to wait and see if Ty can bring these recruits in. You know, we wait and see for all this stuff long enough, and all we're going to see is what we've already seen. I, I mean, you and I have had this talk back to the, you know, the lack of hair on fire. Is that to me, this whole exercise is, I kind of feel like, why am I even doing this? I mean, how obvious does it need to be? Is there any coach in America at a top 20 program like the University of Washington that could put together an 11-24 and 24 record and win six conference games in three years and finish in last place all three years that wouldn't be fired? It wouldn't even be a question. And not only that, even if it was a question, the question would be debated in the local newspapers and on the radio. This right. is the weirdest thing I've ever seen in college sports. And it, well, it is strange. And I, you know, I, I go back and forth. Is it, is it the cult of personality? Is it Ty Willingham? But I guess, you know, um, remember Lambright? Lambright was just kind of dropped on our lap. I mean, I don't think there was a lot of, of scuttlebutt in the papers suggesting that he was going to be fired. It just kind of came out of thin air. And maybe that's just how the mechanism of, you know, of a, of a wazoo-dominated uh, media, I hate to be a conspiracy theorist, but that's the truth, um, they're not going to, they're not going to do uh, or print anything that would perhaps help the cause. So, um, it's, well, yeah, I think they protect themselves that way, right? Then they can't be blamed when there's this fear that somehow the national media is going to converge on the University of Washington 
and and attack UW the way they attack Notre Dame. And you know, at Seattle Times columnist might might not want to be mentioned on the ESPN.com column as, as fanning the flames. It's a lot easier to leave it up to the half brains and the internet lunatic fringe. Um, because believe you know, Emmerich knows we're out there. Turner knows we're out there. Turner wouldn't be attacking us all the time if he didn't know we were out there and we weren't doing damage. And when I say we, I'm talking about the mass we, not you and me, but everybody, everybody that cares about the Huskies, everybody that's been signing petitions and sending emails and writing letters. Um, trust me, you may not hear, hear it in the Seattle Times, but they're hearing it at Montlake. And, and I guess... We're probably being a little impatient because, you know, Emmer's going to wait till after the season's over, and you're entirely correct. He hasn't given Ty a vote of confidence. Turner's lukewarm, well, I think he's going to be here, is meaningless because Turner's going with him. You know, it, it's entirely possible that we're all, you know, it, it's like the phony war. You know, they declared World War II in 1939, and, and nobody started killing each other for a year. Uh, it's like, it's done. At least we think it's done because we don't understand any reason why it wouldn't be done. But they're going to give him his trip to Hawaii and, and let him finish out the season, and they'll they'll say so when it's time to say so. That's if that's not the case, then we know Husky football's dead. We can we can have the ceremony, we can all drop our tickets, we can all stop donating. We know for a fact that the University of Washington has no interest in in big time football. It, it, to me, it's. This is after 15 years of wondering and arguing and shell games and do they want a football program? Do they not want a football program? I'll keep buying tickets. I'll keep sending money in. To me, this is it. This is, this is the Rubicon. They, they keep Willingham. They've crossed it and we're done. We're, we would no longer expect big time football Washington. We'd no longer get our hopes up and we know it was over. And to me, that's what this decision is. Right. I mean, they've always been able to have uh, cover, these guys who've made the decisions on the football program, the upper campus people. You've never had the absolute proof that they didn't want football. Um, And so, you know, when we started talking about the possibility that there was this big conspiracy theory that the upper campus didn't care about football or thought it, you know, it had too much attention, um, you know, we didn't really know. There was no real proof. Um, but now, you know, step by step, we've cornered these guys into a position that they're going to have to decide whether they are going to side with this loser coach who is historically bad, not just bad, but the worst three run in, in Husky history, where nearly every top 20, not even top 20, top 50 program in the country would make the obvious decision and fire this guy, or are we going to be, you know, fed a bunch of bull again? And then, and then, there will be no doubt that this administration, for the last fifteen years, has not cared about Husky football. There is no doubt in my mind that any other department within the university, if they had performance at or below what Willingham has done, relative to other universities they would ask to be not they would be asked not to return well you can go to huskyhalfbrains.com a full service web there's now a pretty healthy collection of stats so just how historically bad coach willingham has done here okay it's not pretty bad it's not 
Yeah, yeah, he didn't do that well. It, no, we are talking off of the barrel. His story, bad. And this is a guy that has been given every chance to make it here. Every, you know, after we lost bowl eligibility and clinched the third straight losing season, and I'm not going to go over how historically bad he's been. All that information is out there. Everybody knows what it is. But I'm going to, in the broad strokes, the big picture, a guy who had failed so badly and at the point in his third season where we, we called it over after the, the seventh loss, there was still a groundswell out there. I think it was pretty small, but it could have been up from the president's office or the upper campus that, you know, after the Cal win, well, you know, go ahead and win out and we'll see if we can't keep it. You know, we'll see if that doesn't mollify the great, the middle, the people that don't play close attention, okay? Beat WSU, who's four and seven, just like you are, and beat another whack team, and I bet we could save your job for you. He couldn't even do that. Everything, every chance he's had to do something, to do anything, to give the people that support him a chance to save him, he hasn't done. It's an incredible record of failure. It's not just a, a little failure or a boy, that's a failure. This is a monumental failure for a guy who, for some reason that we don't understand, has been given every chance in the book, and there's still people right now that would say, even after all this, well, let's give him another year. I mean, to, to blow this job, it's an incredible failure. Don't you think? I mean, have you ever thought about just how amazing it is? Well, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it speaks to, um, even if we move forward with this guy, he's never going to be, we're just delaying the obvious solution. He, this Tyrone Willingham will be fired from the University of Washington. The only choice now for Emmert to make is that does he want to waste another year or maybe even two of the locker years and then have the the obvious replacement be employed by somewhere else. And so when I saw his first year when we had a real good kind of um, uh, moral victory against UCLA, you know, I thought maybe perhaps that we had turned things around. But... Going into the Oregon game with, I believe, two weeks to prepare, he lays another egg. This guy cannot sustain any kind of momentum throughout the season. He will never be able to get on a roll. Because if you can't get on a roll after Cal, if, if you cannot get your players to play at their peak ability after Cal, you're just never going to get there. You're never going to get there. How did we, how did the, the, the Wazoo thing happen? It was a debacle. Now, here's my, this is, you know, our listeners, we've been here before a couple weeks ago where we've defined failure. Once we were out of bowl contention, it was failure, but then we won Cal and then everyone goes, hooray, you know, and started to have second thoughts, including, I believe, some boosters. So let's not get yep. there again. Let's not get ourselves into that trap again where we say, well, let's wait till after Hawaii. No, the, the, the failure has happened, okay? We do not have to define it anymore. We don't have to wait for Hawaii because this, this Husky team is an incredibly dangerous team. It could beat just about anybody in the country with a, with a good it's coaching true. staff. And, and I would not be surprised if we lay the lumber to, to Hawaii. That's just how it's been. So, that should not have any bearing moving forward about whether this guy 
um, survives or not. The record is already in. The hay is in the barn, as they say. He's not going to show. He's not going to show us anything different, like you've said in year four, that we haven't seen the first three years. Well, and even the people that want to give him a year four won't say that we will. It's almost like, well, let's fire him after next year, and that's to me that's more of the logic that floats around it. But let's let's be positive for a minute, and let's let's all sit back and, and realize what one of the main um, one of the main things about why this decision needs to be made. I think there's four main reasons. There's the one-loss record, there's the recruiting, there's the availability of Jim Elmora, and there's Jake Locker. And I just want to talk for a minute about Jake Locker. This guy is so special, so spectacular. You know, I don't care about his completion percentage because he's not the guy that's calling all those long bombs all the time. And as you and I talked about, Lapano and Willingham got their quarterback back and stopped handing the ball off and stopped running the ball and got all brilliant again and, and had a really bad game plan. But even with that, Jake Lacker once again single-handedly scored five points, you know, on, on runs that, that you don't see tailbacks make. I mean, people are dropping their jaws at how much talent this guy has. And if you ever had a quarterback coach, if you ever had a guy that could teach him some simple mechanics – that I think a, a coach teaches a high school kid in two weeks at summer camp, this guy is off the charts. I mean, beyond off the charts. This is Jake Locker, okay? Another year or two for Ty is all we get of Jake, and I refuse to see that wasted. I mean, this guy is, he's everything we have right now, and he, like we've also talked before, you don't need to put an all-star team around it. You need a good game plan. You need a halfway decent defense, and you need to call the right plays. And you're going to win a lot of football games. Okay, Ty has proven that he can't do that. He's won a whopping four games with Jake Locker. Uh, you and I both know Jim Mora will double that next year. Absolutely. Easily. And 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 you and I, we're, we don't just look at theory. Although we're beautiful, you know, we're wonderful people when it comes to theory. Let's just be honest. But what we also do is compare statistics historically. We, you know, do a lot of case study work here. And I'm going to give you three names. Fasani, Lewis, Quinn. What do you think of those guys? I think I'd like you to expand on that because I remember, in particular, I remember when Lewis was recruited by Stanford. He was, uh, might have been the top prospect in the whole country. Quarterback was a five-star guy. Um, and the was similar, right? Absolutely. These guys were, you know, kind of parade all American in that in that league. Whether they were actually parade all American, I don't know. But they're not. They're not. They were not developed. They're not in the NFL. And um, and Brady Quinn, uh, a big time tie supporter, um, who was you know heartbroken when the guy was fired. You know, a year after he left, you know, confides in his cousin and sa- and says, you know. There was just times where I didn't think I was being coached. And that's just a devastating critique of Tyrone Willingham. You know, say what you want about, say what you want about Weiss. Maybe he is not a hero. But that, when he got there, that team would instantly was better by seven points a game, continued to get better uh, that, that second year and made Brady Quinn a, a first round draft choice. Brady Quinn was headed to the Lewis kind of Fasani boneyard. 
Now, are we gonna are we gonna sit here and wait and watch a locker head that direction? You know, I, it's just I I think what you've said is true. There's four points: there's the win loss, there's the recruiting, there's locker, and there's more. If we keep that, uh, you know, that our 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 talking points to just those four points, it, the the decision is inescapable, and. Um, and that's what we got to do. We just we got to make sure that these 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 guys who have a lot of money don't start waffling around and start saying things to Emirates. Well, let's just wait until after the Hawaii game. You know, no. The only thing you need to know about from Emirates is on that Monday morning, what time is is the announcement going to be made? You know, there is nothing more we need to know. Don't make the mistake. Of giving this guy another game because he's liable to win it. Well, not he. <laughs> Jake Locker is. Well, there's two escapes from the Hawaii game. We win the game, which I think is likely. Hawaii's a whack team. You know, people say, oh, we beat the top 20 team. They were unbeaten. You know, Hawaii is Boise State. Okay, Boise State is the whack team. We should beat them. I don't care how, where they're ranked, how many games they've lost against the worst competition in America. But there's, you know, so beating Hawaii would give that crowd a chance to, to crow about that. The other thing way Ty could win against Hawaii is if Cole Brennan throws for 700 yards and eight touchdowns and everyone decides, well, if we just get rid of Kent there. Okay, now as you know, the Husky half-brains have destroyed every argument about getting rid of Kent there and not Ty Willingham and yet that argument lives on. It's the last refuge of the Ty believer that, gosh, what could he do with a great defensive coordinator? Well, I don't know. He's had 13 years to find out, but he's kept Kent there. Oh, hello. We need a guy. Hello. We need a guy to be able to look at these types of situations before the idiot fans do. When we reach the conclusion, <laughs> it is way too late. He had ample opportunity and statistical evidence to know that Bear wasn't his guy five years ago. Why he keeps this guy employed is beyond me. The reason well, why is about Kent Bear, right? And and why Ty keeps him employed is because Ty thinks he's doing Kent Bear is doing a good job. Once again, last night on his Monday night radio broadcast, when asked directly about the, the performance, Ty Willingham talked about his offense. This is a consistent pattern. I'm sure it goes back before he was at the University of Washington. But if you ask him about the defense, he'll tell you it's the offense's job to keep the defense off the field. We didn't do it good enough. We didn't have our imaginary halftime lead. You know, we didn't get up, we didn't score enough points. He does he never says that there's anything wrong with the defense. And because he doesn't know if there's anything wrong with the defense or else he is just blindly convinced that Kent Bear is a great defensive coordinator. Kent Bear thinks he's a great defensive coordinator. Right. Uh, and, and that's fine. I mean you gotta believe in yourself. But the results scream otherwise. Well, for however many structural uh, breakdowns we've had on the defense, we've had as many mental breakdowns. And, yeah, I, I don't think Ken is a great X's and O's guy, but when you couple it with the mentality of a team that plays so tight and is afraid to succeed, you know, how many dropped interceptions throughout the whole year? Hey, hey there comes a point where I'm never going to blame the players. They're all, all the players on that back end of that defense are dropping interceptions. Why? Because they're not playing loose. They're not having fun. There's too much at stake. You know, 
that right. Ty has got this team wound so tight, it's a basket case of a team. You know, it's how do it, you have two halves of your defense playing a different defense on the game deciding play in the eleventh game of the year? Right, and you know, Hugh Miller made another great point. Our our, our honorary half brain, you know, you're calling timeouts to call a play. You know that you don't ever do that. You should always have some plays in in the holster, so to speak. And here here we're calling timeouts to uh, to call a play, and that this is very similar to to Cal at the end of the first half, where everyone lauded the the beauty of Willingham. You know, you know, we we get down uh, within the ten yard line, we we've, we've run out of bounds to stop the clock, and Ty calls a timeout. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's just pure blind luck that, that, uh, our receiver, uh, you know, Reese came through and, and caught a touchdown pass after that because there was only one play left. You know, he had 14 seconds left with no timeouts. If, if anything would have happened, a sack like what happened the previous, um, play or somebody gets tackled before the goal line, it was over. There was never going to be a, a chance to get that field goal. So, I mean, I, I, I look at, you know, we can talk about the the four talking points, but also, if if you're at 13 years into your coaching career and you still don't know how to manage a game, that is just never gonna happen. Then you are never gonna be that guy who knows when to do timeouts, to know how to do a two minute offense, to to you know be able to you know maneuver a couple extra points in a, in a critical situation. What this guy has fumbled the points so many times at the end of halves I mean I, I you know there there's probably double digit chances here where this guy has failed in terms of just the clock management game management so you know even if the the big four points don't excite you understand that the guy just doesn't have the talent to get us to where we're going to go because he alone is going to cost us two games a year at least you know? Well, <laughs> I, I'm here. I, I'm just listening. Because I, I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, if Coach Willingham, if this was his first job as a coach, okay, so he coached, been a head coach for three years, and he put together this kind of record. Why would you keep him? You might keep him if he'd been recruiting really good or if he had shown that things were getting better, he was learning things, or... But, you know, I mean, the problem is we already know. We knew this before he got hired. So, you know, we just keep going back to the same thing. What are we going to see? What are we going to know that we don't already know? This is Coach Willingham, okay? He's made a really nice living by projecting this aura and reputation as being a game manager, as being a molder of men, as being a recruiter, as being a head football coach, as being a character guy. not for winning, and really, the more you know him, the longer you're around him, you find out that really there's there's not much there in any category at all, and certainly there's nothing there so spectacular you'd say, well, so what if he won six conference games in three years? He's worth keeping for this reason. It's just not there. Right. We've, you know, it's out of fairness to William. If people who say that, who believe he needs, they never consider the, the program first. And, you know, we're like the Marine Corps, you know. It's like uh, God, country, the Marine Corps. You've got to put the program, the players, and then the coaches, probably in that order, if I if I could say that. Maybe fans have got to go in there probably before even the coaches. You've got to put the program before Willingham. 
the fairness, Willingham had every opportunity to win more ball games, and he didn't have to win that many more. Had he won just probably Wazoo, probably just one more game, we wouldn't be having this discussion how pathetic our expectations have fallen, and that's ridiculous. It's not. We shouldn't even be having this discussion. We should have already. It should have been a foregone conclusion, and, and the Husky Half Brains podcast should be, you know, in the in the trash can, uh, um, you know, a point of memory. Put it in the history books. We we should be. We shouldn't. We have to stoop to to say the same things over and over again because uh, we have a media that absolutely looks the other way for this guy. It's just unbelievable. And so here we are. Yeah, We're having to roll up our sleeves only, again. And, and they don't really go talk about his, his job security. They don't even really talk about his mistakes during games. Nope. And, and since when don't you talk about that? Just Ty Willingham. Is that part of covering sports? Nope. How, how dare us? It's a bizarre thing. How dare us? But there is hope because we're here for hope, as you know. And uh, I did happen to peruse uh, Andy's uh, post uh, this afternoon. And what are there, three of the nine uh, TAI members, board members? Is there a TAI board of some sort? I didn't even know that. Yeah, that was what uh, Bill Fleener used to be on. They didn't appreciate his candor. You know, he would share stuff with the Doc Sales board, and I think he did more good for the UW than anybody against you know, considering he was facing a, a, a crowd that was anti-administration, anti-athletic department, and Bill would come as a tight board member and say, here's what we're trying to do, here's what's happening. And he got a lot of grief from it on the on the board from people calling him, you know, an insider and this and that, and propagandist. And, and sometimes I got a little irate on him. I was respecting what he was doing. They got mad at him for doing that when he was trying to help them, and I think he was helping them. He's basically off the board, and that's why he's uh, coming out publicly now. Uh, but so go ahead. That, that's so we board. so we have three of the nine. He doesn't know the other the other um, what the other six think, but three are are sporting the new Mora um, uh, buttons on their lapels. So we've got a thirty percent on the board, <laughs> and we don't even know the other six. But you got to think these guys are hanging in the same circle. If three of them have gone as far as to get the buttons to wear, these guys these the these guys are ardent supporters of Jim Mora. There's not we only need two more guys to maybe even be lukewarm, and they don't even have to like Mora. All they have to know is what those three know is that Ty isn't the answer. So then, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's a nine zero vote with this guy. Because and I'm glad you brought that up because that's that's kind of the things our listeners like to hear. I, I think everybody gets this nagging fear that you know, geez, what if they don't fire him? Because uh, then that means the end of Husky football for a lot of us, and that's a sad day. But yeah, the tidy board. I'm glad you brought that up because um, I haven't heard a lot of. In fact, it's gone quiet on the inside. Um, my well, sources are quiet. It's well, that's good. Not hearing anything. When I, yeah. you know, I have a repping company, and when I um, I got word on. From one of my comp- uh, one of the companies I represent, that they were going to make a change and and go with us as a company, and uh, what I did, I shut up. I didn't tell anybody because you don't want to mess it up at this stage. If you start leaking information and starts hitting the boards, and Emmert might hear about it, and he may just out of spike get so PO'd at these guys, then he may just keep tied just to 
just out of anger. So well, I want, we don't need Emerson and the enemies to have any advance notice. We want it to be a clean, quick firing before anybody can even... They can whine about it after the fact, but not have a chance to stop it. But it's kind of holding the form. you got Turner, who's, who this morning uh, you know, is claiming that if he has anything to say about it, that Ty gets his fourth year. Well, that's great, because you know that now Turner is absolutely out of the loop. He's probably speed dialing Emmert's office every ten minutes, begging for some information, you know. Is, am I, you know, asking the secretary, am I at least on his Christmas card list? <laughs> he's, he, he's, he's, he's trying to look at the tea leaves like we do and, and see if, the, if he's going to survive. And, um, no, I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, this guy was such an ardent supporter of mediocrity that, uh, and how anybody can look at this guy and even come to the conclusion that a fourth year is deserved, you know, definitely doesn't doesn't deserve the right to be head of uh, the athletic department. So I'm just well, thinking that, that it's yeah. kind of holding the form. You know, you've seen, we've got, you know, we've got history on our side with LSU where, where Emmert went over the athletic director and hired Nick Saban. So, and I would not be surprised if somebody somewhere has seen a lunch between old Emmert and Mora in some corner, in some, you know, uh, you know, restaurant off the beaten path. I think this thing is coming together just as planned. Yeah, uh, and I'd much rather, if I'm President Emmert, I'd much rather be standing with my arm around Jim Elmora before the cameras than, than around Todd Turner saying, we're kicking Ty Willingham. Uh, and, and sometimes it can come down to that having a factor. Uh, you know, personal, it's like we've talked about a million times. You turn on the TV and you watch a Washington Husky game and you see Coach Willingham on the sidelines and, and you know, you kind of forget about all the losing and everything and, and you're like, you know, I'm proud, you know. Yeah, I, I like having that guy on my sideline. I don't want Hal Mummy coaching the University of Washington, you know. I just wish you could win, Ty, you know, but you can't, you know. So you're going to have to take your, your, your wonderful presence and your millions of dollars, and you know, try somewhere else. Maybe a Duke. You know, I'd love to see him get a soft landing somewhere where they don't care about winning. I got nothing against the guy. I just want to win. <laughs> I want to be excited again, and I want to. I want to have Jim Mora talking to me about Husky football instead of Ty Willingham mumbling about himself. I mean, you know, that's all we're asking for. That's all everybody's asking Emmert for. And, and Emmert is a smart guy. <laughs> Turner isn't. Turner's war against the people he needs to collect money from is should go in the books of poor management of how not to manage a program. There's a reason he hasn't raised a dime for the stadium. Uh, and like Andy pointed out in that same post, these Internet half-brains that, that Todd Turner is attacking are not little guys like you and me. That Internet half-brains, like you said, they're members of Congress and, and you know, and Turner's just blindly painting everyone with this genderless, faceless, anonymous brush of, of half-braindom. I mean, I think you'd have to look really hard to find uh, an example of so much stupidity from any manager in any business at any point, in any time, in any country, ever. Well, how he managed how he how if he had managed it correctly. He wouldn't have engendered such rage that you know the Husky Half Brain podcast would have never got off the ground had he been able to handle this PR side of it. you know just from a 
pure PR standpoint, the guy is an idiot. I mean, he's putting his foot in his mouth weekly, if not daily, and he he enraged me. He's enraged you, and 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 you know this isn't thirty years ago. You you know where you can control those out those very select outlets. I'm very disappointed with the new media at this juncture, even though I love Dogman.com, but I I think they have a role to play in this. But after prodding them along and looking like that wasn't going to happen, then where were we? We were we are. I'm not going to claim. I'm not going to claim responsibility for getting Tyrone Willingham fired, but I will claim that we at least made it acceptable to talk about it. Nobody else was even saying that he got was going to get fired. So, you know, our incredibly growing listener base has heard us say that Ty Willingham has fired needs to be fired, and hopefully they're telling their friends that Ty Willingham has needs to be fired. So now it becomes part of the standard everyday vocabulary. So, you know, the, the fact that some... Well, you've seen, some, that, you've the, seen the polling on Dogman too, right? Oh, yeah. Well, we can, we, I, I'll let you touch on that. But I'm just, I just wanted to say that, you know, the vast majority of people are with us. The fact that the, the new media and the old media are protecting something, I don't know what, doesn't change the fact that he's an awful coach. So we're here to tell you that he's an awful coach, to tell you that it's okay to tell your friends that he's an awful coach, and that it's not that you're a lunatic to believe that. It's that you have the facts on your side. We're cool, calm, and calculated on this. You don't have to you know, get stooped to anybody's level and, and call shots and call people names like Director Turner. I mean, we don't have to do that because when you have a, a transparency about you, when you have the facts on your side, it's just a simple flow of information. It's that simple. Now, why don't you talk about why don't you talk about these polls? Well, um, I can understand why Todd would quote unquote blame the internet because just to sum up what you said to throw my bow on it is that. Yeah, without the internet, you and I wouldn't be, we wouldn't know each other. We wouldn't have conversed. There wouldn't have been a central clearinghouse, which has been dogman.com message boards for all Husky fans that are, are on the internet to, to converse, to get the facts out there. It, it would be like you see now in the South Times, Ty would be 11 and 24. I'd be sitting in my house pulling my hair out wondering, you know, what the heck can I can do? I, you know, I couldn't even send an email. And this whole, this whole patina of everything is fine. He gets his five years. We'll go on would be unstopped. There wouldn't be anybody arguing against it. There'd be no voices heard. That's what, and, and okay, the polls on, on Dogman, I'll go to the pay board, which is where these are Husky fans by and large. Anybody can pay, but you do pay to read that board and read the inside information on the network. Um, you have to be a Dogman subscriber to be to read and post on Dogtales. Okay, so this is probably the less lunatic of the fringe out there on the internet. The free boards, the free, the wild frontier. Okay, it was it was seventy to three, one hundred and sixty nine to eight. I mean, the numbers were polling ninety five percent plus in favor of Ty being fired. 
Now, that's a message that has gotten to Dr. Emmert that probably wouldn't have without the Internet. So, you know, while I understand why guys about to lose their jobs are, are bitter and blaming the Internet, I just have to say, you know, it doesn't mean it's not true. It, it doesn't mean that the Internet got you fired. It means your job performance is being called into question legitimately in public, and the decision was made to fire you. You know, if you were 24 and 11, you'd love the Internet because we'd all be singing your praises and talking about what a great job you did, and, and, and you'd be getting a raise and an extension, and, and life would be a bowl of cherries. So it's not the Internet. The Internet is a vehicle for the fan to express himself, and the fan is not a mouth-breathing, ignorant, racist pig. The fan is an informed, factual lover of the program who wants what's best for the program. You know, we're, we're talking now about Willingham fans and Washington fans. We're Washington fans. Would have loved for Willingham to make it here, but he did. So he's got to go. And, and what about the hard-won skills of debating? I mean, he has not bare-knuckled it like you and I have on the message boards. I mean, that is that, 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 this is the reason why you know, we're so very confident that we could even do our own podcast is that our thoughts have been tested against everybody else's thoughts for nearly 10 years. And we've been able to remain consistent. You know, uh, we've changed where we've had to. And so we're kind of battle tested here. There is nothing that you can tell us, uh, director Turner, that we already haven't heard. You, you, you cannot call into question anything about our integrity or our thought process that we have not already heard. It's been this 10 years of going back and forth on the Internet, and slowly a person builds up an opinion and a position. And that is why it is so clear what we need to do from this point forward. Now, there's a lot of details. I mean... You know, we have kind of jumped on the, the Mora bandwagon. We haven't really, uh, you know, tested that, the Mora theory, like we've tested the anti-Thai theory. We are very solid in the fact that Thai needs to be fired. There's a lot of people who are making some good arguments that maybe we're rushing into this Mora deal. And we've made our arguments accordingly. And, but the bottom line is, I would much rather have Ty Willingham fired and somebody else coach, even if it's not more, then continue on with Ty Willingham. Because well, Ty Willingham like has Willingham. this history. I'd like to see him gone and then see what the Mora detractors have to say. I, I you know, some of that is is protecting Ty by saying Mora isn't the guy, and some of it is very legitimate. You're right, we don't have an ironclad case for Mora. I mean I wanted to maybe move towards a Mora versus Pinkle discussion, not an argument, just to, you know, because there's a lot of people that want time and they're going, well, why not Pinkle? I mean, gosh, they're number one in the country right now. Um, so maybe we go there, but I, just to clean up on the Internet and the art of debate, I mean, was that ever more clear than when Hugh Millen appeared on Dave Grosby's show, Hardcore Football, it's a weekly show, and Hugh Mellon absolutely bitch-slapped Gros, made him look like the stupidest, most ill-informed, dumbest sports host in the history of sports radio. I mean, and Hugh did it with a, with a calm and a cool and a collected 
voice like he was, you know, calling signals for the New England Patriots or leading the Huskies to the victory in the Rose Bowl. He just had fact after fact after fact. Crosby was un- incorrect, unfactual, throwing out the myths, pulling stuff out of his rear, you know, making no sense at all, which is the usual argument for Ty. And, and Hugh just obliterated him. It's, and, and that's where that's, that, that's exactly where this de- debate has come. I'm, you know, I'm, I am kind of a hair on fire guy. I do, I, I'll call names, I, you know, I'll call gross names and all that stuff. But I mean, a guy like Hugh Millen, who's just been a stalwart. And, and let's remember, we were on opposite sides of the fence with Mr. Millen on the whole Neuheisel thing, um, which shows that, you know, we're willing to take someone at, at what their argument is, not who they are. It's not personal, you know. We're not with Hugh Millen because, well, Millen's friends with Moore and we like Hugh and, you know, you know, for, there was a time when I really didn't like Hugh Millen. But, you know, he's bringing it, he's bringing it hard, he's bringing the facts, and we're on the same side of this issue. Right, I, I thought that that he, uh, you know, displayed some character flaws during that whole Neuheisel thing. But I'm re- I'm I'm willing to forgive it. I mean, we're re- re- willing to forgive it all. Uh, I I I'm more in, I'm more interested in in Washington going forward than than even dealing with the past. Any any time you bring up Neuheisel, that's only going to derail the debate from what is before us, and. And, you know, I've emailed, um, Millen. We've had debates, um, in the past, not recently. And, um, I thought that he fell prey to this cult of personality a little bit, uh, versus, versus Neuheisel. This whole cult of personality, I, I think, is, is really, um, kind of a cornerstone of what we need to articulate to Emirate. Because, just an academic institution, just its very nature needs to be, you know, it, it, it needs to be dispassionate. You know, it needs to be secular. And we've had this 500 years of, of the Renaissance, of the scientific model, of looking at things rationally and not being swayed by myth, not being swayed by superstition, but the facts before us. And I think it would be incredibly ironic that an academic institution who prides itself on this, of building up on giants and having this thought process of being intellectual, would side and employ a cult of personality in spite of a 3% chance of success. It is inescapable to me. And, and I can't even imagine you know, he's not just the head of the athletic department. He's the head of the University of Washington, uh, an esteemed academic institution. We're not here to, to, to be spiritual. He's not there to, you know, to, to rub uh, crystals and, and pray. Not that there's anything wrong with it. You and I are, you and I are a very spiritual person. I'm an, under, I'm an every Sunday kind of guy. And I go to church every Sunday, but I'm also when it gets to to the numbers, to the facts, I'm very dispassionate about it, and and try not to be emotional about it. And I think again, it would be unbelievably ironic if he would reject 500 years of this Renaissance movement and take us back to the Dark Ages. And I just cannot believe that he would. You know, employ 
you know, if a duck floats or sinks, <laughs> the guy's guilty, you know? <laughs> I, I just... Well, should we tie a rock around time and see if he sinks? Or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just... it. I Let's just say, that is why we are so optimistic at this stage. Because he is not well, Turner. He, he does not have a religious background. He is not, you know, swayed by personality. He is absolutely analytical in this process. He couldn't have gotten to where he is if he was anything but rational. And that's all we're asking I, him. I, I think that is the foundation of our of our belief is is rationality that he's rational. But if I go back to you know you mentioned we were talking about Millen and letting bygones be bygones and not getting sidetracked in the new Heisel debate. And I think that's an excellent segue into the Pinkle be more a debate not that the two are at each other's or even competing but the, the more um, nostalgia it, it, you read a lot lately about gee if we'd hired more in 99 instead of new highs and i think don james came out and said that and far be it for me to disagree with the dog father um all all i have to say about that is so what it happened. We don't have a time machine. Okay, New Heisel came here. He won a Rose Bowl. Only three coaches in school history have. But so what? He's gone. You know, Pinkle. You know, if if we want to capture some magic and go back to 1999, that's why we want to hire Pinkle now. That's as bad a reason as saying we want to hire Jim Mora because of Pete Carroll. Okay, um, what Pinkle has done at Missouri is impressive. It's I think it's legitimate to point out that he's been there seven years and that through his first six years, he wasn't performing at a level that would have been acceptable at the University of Washington before Willingham. Uh, maybe Missouri's different. Maybe it isn't. There's reasons. There's not reasons. Uh, Pinkle has changed. He certainly got it going this year. Um, they'll still never be confused as a defensive ball club, and I still think Washington needs to hire for defense. That would be and to me, if it came down to Jim Moore and, and Pinkle sitting in my office, that would be my decision. Moore, you're the defensive guy. You get the job. Pinkle's been a head coach at college. But once again, then we're in a position of we're going to Missouri, where Pinkle has spent seven years, where they stuck with him, and he's got that program to national championship contention, and we're going to say, bail out on them and come to us. Okay, how's that different than Rick leaving Colorado? Right. Well, you know, here's and, my, it, and once once he did that, nobody ever trusted him. They thought they were paranoid that he was going to leave us. Now you could say, well, Pinkle's a husky; he would never leave us once he come here, came here. And, and, and there's probably something to that. But I'm not opposed to stealing another team's coach. I would have taken Tedford in a heartbeat. And, and if Gary Pinkle is the next husky coach, I'm I'm re-upping my tickets. It's it's hardly bad news. But it's just that whole thing that this is his this is his first year, okay? We know something about hiring coaches off one year, and it wasn't pretty. We know something about hiring coaches. Well, nobody could win there, so he did good comparatively. All right, that didn't work out well. I'm sure Pinkle's ten times the coach that Willingham is, but I is he the guy that can come here right away, boom, and work with Jake Locker and make it happen? Is he can get defense? You know, those are. I think a legitimate question is going to be interesting when it's all said and done, but I, I, Pinkle doesn't strike me as being an entirely realistic candidate. You're right. I, I believe. I, I have a couple thoughts on this whole scenario. I, I, I believe 
Uh, first of all, I don't think Pinko would ever come. I think he's one of those loyal guys. Uh, and for me, um, man, I look at Missouri, and you think that the Boston Red Sox fans were, before they won championships three or four years ago, were hard luck. Think of Missouri fans. I mean, I love Missouri. I've always been a fan of that school because they are they they participated in two national championships. They they participated in the fifth down with Colorado, and they 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 participated in the kickball by Nebraska, both of which uh, resulted in the the winning team winning a national championship. And then also you go back to the basketball squad in the in the early seventies before there was. Uh, before college players were allowed to dunk, their big center goes up to to lay up, lay up the basketball, and they get uh, the opposing team undercuts him, and he has to hold onto the rim to save himself, and he dunks the ball, and they they wave it off, and and they they cost themselves. I don't know if it's a Final Four appearance, but maybe a um, but but I think that that's what it cost him. I mean, you know, there's a lot of schools I hate. There's a lot of teams I hate, and I have like I hate a lot of teams in the Big Twelve. I don't, I can't stand Oklahoma, you know. I I can't, I just can't stand that that whole um, conference. But Missouri, you know, they kind of deserve him. They stuck with him, and mind you, his first three years weren't even close to what ties were. So let's not even start this debate about him. You know that that the Missouri stayed with Pinkle through thick and thin. Well, that's a bunch of BS. Pinkle was much had performed to a much higher degree than Ty did um, in those first three years. So let's not even get into that argument. And secondly, your 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 point about Mora being a de- defensive minded coach, I think, is is a very solid point. I look at the Pac-10 as an offensive conference, and when you look at, it's always going to be tough to to recruit. You know, wide receivers and running backs and quarterbacks. But if you come in and make your name as a defensive-minded uh, coach, you're going to get these recruits that would look at you. First, we have a real chance to be maybe not out recruit USC, but be able to re- out. We would certainly be able to out recruit ASU and out recruit Oregon. And out recruit Cal for these linebackers and defensive ends and defensive tackles and safeties and cornerbacks. Because if you're a defensive player, you don't want to be second fiddle. You don't want to think, you know, I'm just going to defer to the offense all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm there just to hold the team under 50 points while my offense scores 58. I mean, when you look at a competitive nature in anything in life, when you do a competitive analysis of your competitors, uh, whether you're in sales or in manufacturing or what have you, you always t- ask yourself, where can I fit? You know, in a sea of huge offenses, which is the Pac-10, why would we bring another offensive? We'd just be another offensive coach. There's a real chance to make a name for ourselves, very similar to what Oregon State is doing. And they're being very competitive with not a lot of resources because they've decided to concentrate on the other side of the ball that nobody in the conference, you know, concentrates on. So given, you know, Pinkle, I'd love him. I don't, I, I would support him 100%. I don't think he's going to come. I don't want to take him away from what I think are great fans in Missouri. But he is an offensive coach. And he's going to have a hard time making a name for himself with that machine down in Eugene. Or that guy uh, Erickson, who is known as an offense. He's a really great defensive coach too. Don't 
I don't want to ever belittle Erickson's yeah. defensive prowess, but he his real contribution to college football as a whole has been on the offensive side with the one back and what have you. So I just think, how are you going to distinguish yourself in this conference? Let's concentrate on defense. Let's have the absolute best defense in the conference. And you're going to get half of the players you recruit to look at us well ahead of Oregon, well ahead of ASU, you know, well ahead of UCLA, well ahead of California. There's a real chance to, you know, be, uh, have, you know, be distinctive, uh, to, to stand out to these guys. So I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't turn away Pinkle. I think he's a loyal guy. We're not going to get him. But man, isn't it time? We're, it's, it's just, it's like, it's like water to a thirsty person in the desert. A defensive minded coach with these fans at Washington who are just thirsting for defense. Uh, it's just such a perfect fit. And, uh, and, you know, I, I just think everyone, uh, moving forward could get behind this guy because that's where the lineage is, honestly. Well, I think they will get behind him once he's hired. And once Ty's out of the picture, I, to, to our listeners out there, I'm safely back at the undisclosed location in Seattle and checking my dogman inbox. I'm not going to say who the poster is because I don't have his permission to, but um, a Dogtails poster who I've respected over the years, um, even though we've often disagreed on things politically, we're about as opposite as you can be, but we have some things in common, including some... Some issues regarding the race, and and um, been a Willingham supporter, and, and I noticed this this morning he had a picture of Moore in his post. So I sent a little PM said, "What's up with the Moore picture? Are you off the wagon?" And he just gave me a great reply. It's, uh, you know, he, he wanted Willingham to make it for for all the right reasons. Um, he's concerned about you know the the lack of opportunities in coaching for minorities. You know, like most of us, he thought that Ty was a great a great head of the program but uh you know too stoic um but his main reason is more is available now um so you can see more as a unifier here um and, and there's going to be very few people thanks to the incredible job that Ty hasn't done here that are really going to hold a bitterness over Ty being gone against whoever the next coach is and, and more will make that even easier um and and that's just the way it is i mean you know I'll say this about race. I'm a white guy, um, but I'm married to a black woman. I have been for over 20 years. Um, I raised her two children. I'm pretty much aware that there's still racism in America. It's not all gone, but I'm also aware um, what I taught my son was that's no reason to fail. That's that's no excuse. Um, A lot of people don't like me for various reasons. I'm not going to let them stop me, and if somebody doesn't like you for the color of your skin, don't let that stop you, and and he's done well with that. And this poster I'm talking about, he's – He's, uh, I believe he's a mixed racer. He's, he's had some, some dealings with, he, I think he works with youth. Um, he's, he's well aware of racism in America too. And, and, you know, everybody wants to be on the lookout for that. And I'm just going to come out and say, I think that's a large reason for the, the so-called conspiracy of silence. Nobody wants to be the guy, you know, somehow we've gotten into this uh, point in this country where if you criticize a black man, you're a racist. And to me, that is, of course, ultimate racism. Uh, I judge Ty the same way I judge any football coach by the content of his win-loss record. Um, most people do. I'm, I'm, I'm sure 99% of the people that want Ty fired just care about his record. Um, and, and uh, you know, 
People didn't hate Gilby because he was white. People liked Gilby just like they liked Ty. They just wanted him fired. Um, and that's, I think the more that maybe we just talk about that, probably the, the better we get that out there. Um, rather than have it lingering under the surface or just waiting for people to accuse us of being racist if we do fire them, you know, why not, why not hit it up front? You know, that, that's what Emmer ought to do. It's like, look, we're not a racist institution. Uh, you, I hate to get them. Some of my best friends are black or my wife is black, but I did, but, or, you know, our basketball coach is black or our women's basketball coach is black. But I mean, if you're going to have to fight a PR battle, you're going to have to fight a PR battle. You can't just let the other side call you racist and take it. Well, I think what we've seen in, in the early days of Major League Baseball and even the NBA is that when you hire a black coach who is, doesn't have the talent to perform, um, it hurts the cause. And, and my contention is that you, you keep a guy like Tyrone Willingham on board, he's going to keep other institutions from hiring a black guy. Well, Ty's already been a pioneer both in, in becoming a head coach, in becoming a head coach at Notre Dame, and in getting fired and getting another job. Because uh, I'm going back to the baseball analogy, I remember when they first started having black managers, it was pretty much one and done. And everybody knows in baseball that, that, that your average white manager would get five, six, seven, eight jobs. Uh, and fail at them all and still keep getting hired because it was a good old boy network. Well, and, and I remember back in the day, the, the saying was, you know, well, when a black guy can get fired and get another job, you'll know we've, we've gotten somewhere. And, and I think we have gotten somewhere. The numbers are appallingly low. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what you do because in college football, it's such an emotional win-loss sport. Um, you got to give guys a chance. Uh, certainly at the University of Washington, in this next hire, this isn't a hire where we can go pick a Randy Shannon, who, who is now a head coach, but say when he was a coordinator, and take a chance on him, gamble on him. Um, you know, hey, if, if Jim Moore was black, that'd be great, but he's not. But he's he's probably the guy that's just sitting right there, perfect for this program, for this situation. And do you not hire him because he is white? You know, you can't do that. Um, it's like there was a football team that had a oh it was when uh, Bill Parcells they knew they were going to hire Bill Parcells they wanted to hire Bill Parcells who wouldn't hire Bill Parcells and they got fined by the NFL for not going through their minority interview process which to me that's kind of an insult once again it's like well we need to interview even though you have no chance of getting the job uh you know it's this whole thing it's it's an explosive issue that's far from settled in this country we've made leaps and bounds and progress and but the, what we have to do is we have to keep talking about it we have to allow both races or all races to keep talking about it freely without shouting the other side down with name calling and accusations of bigotry or racism or this or that i mean you just got to put everything on the table you got to put the cards on the table play them as they are and uh you know hey look at all the coaches that got fired this week you know Right, and, it happens. It I happens mean, to football coaches. But it it is in an academic institution, you know, being very liberal and 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 the like. It it is much more painful, I would say, for Emirate to to fire a Willingham. No, nobody cared about Gilby. I'll tell you that. Absolutely, they threw <laughs> they threw him under the bus after he threw his players under the bus. But I, I would think if you're just looking for political cover, Emirate, um, if you're listening, um, you know, Notre Dame already did it. Uh, it, what it would do is, you know, reconfirm 
their thought process and all those people who claimed it was a racist firing. You know, you said it from the original podcast. I don't see how hiring a black coach just so they can fire him is racist. I think it was, you know, very, very yeah, it was, it was very um, proactive and, and, um, and progressive for Notre Dame to, to hire a black coach and to give him a chance. At that time, you could have made a great argument that Ty Willingham was was the type of coach to take you to the next level. What I reject out of hand is after he showed his ability at Notre Dame that he would even be considered as an inter, at, at, even interviewed for the University of Washington job because at that time, I think there was enough uh, evidence in to suggest he was never ever going to bring us to where we need to be. So, um, so if they've backed themselves in into a corner, it's their own corner. Honestly, they hired a guy who should have never been hired in the first place. And um, but again, I think from a political cover standpoint, he's already been fired. And um, I don't see how how that would you know impact Emmer to a huge degree. Well, it certainly shouldn't because, yeah, um, even people that are going after Weiss with both knives now and, and saying that Weiss and Ty had, had the same three-year record at Notre Dame, which is a bit intellectually dishonest if you look at how they got to those records, but be that as it may, they're not pointing to Willingham and saying, see, he succeeded at Washington. You know, Willingham is out of the conversation now. It's just Weiss and his failure. The 2-9 season is a failure, okay, just like it was for Ty here. That is a huge failure for Weiss at Notre Dame. If I'm a Notre Dame fan, you got one more year, Chuck. <laughs> you best be eight, nine wins next year or else. But, you know, you put the recruiting classes, the two BCS Bulls. Um, you can see why he didn't get fired this year. I wouldn't have advocated. I'd, I'd just be mad at, at the record. But the one thing you can't do is point and say, see, if only you'd kept Ty because look at what he did at Washington. Right, we're, we're just can't say that. Yeah, it's all we're talking about is hope. The bottom line is that at the end of three years, Notre Dame had no hope. With Weiss, at least, because of recruiting, there's a real chance that he's going to turn it around uh, because of the incoming talent. Here, uh, there is no hope. I mean, there is there is no hope. If if you had an you know a kind of a wildly emotional coach who was at you know each extreme all the time. You know, maybe you could see that, you know, he could pick a course of action to actually be successful. But Ty is as predictable a personality as you're ever, ever going to get. You know, he is, you can, you can set an atomic clock by him. And so he is, he is to the extreme. Whereas maybe people could say 13 years is unfair as all we care about the next year, but not with Ty. Because he is unbelievably consistent in his inconsistencies. You know, we just saw it in the last two weeks. You know, a good win, bad win. You know, they show up, they don't show up. They're prepared, they're not prepared. And it happens multiple times a year. And and throughout three seasons, there is just no chance that he is ever going to change that kind of characteristic. It's just... There is zero well, chance, or maybe there's a 3% we're chance. About, well, we're talking about a man with an unshakable belief in himself and in, in his system and in the way he does things. And, and, you know, that's something to admire. Unfortunately, the system and, and the self that he believes is able to coach major college football at the championship level. 
Um, I, I honestly think that, you know, it's probably true that Stanford liked him a lot. Uh, I don't, I think he'd still be there. There's probably some angst when he left. Uh, you know, I think he goes to a place like Duke and, and pulls out a six and six season. He's a hero, you know, and then goes back to three and nine. Nobody cares. Um, he can be himself. He can have a system. He can, he can worry about grades. He can worry about all the things that don't have anything to do with winning and losing and be fine with it, you know, uh, but, like you said, if it didn't work at Notre Dame, it wasn't going to work here. And, well, you're not Notre Dame. No, but our expectations are no different than Notre Dame's. Okay, you Forget about the past. You ask a Husky fan and an Irish fan what they expect, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. Neither one of us expect a national championship every year. We just want bowl games, winning seasons, and the once-every-four-or-five-year run for the, the big show. And So it didn't work there. It wasn't going to work here. But what's surprising is that uh, – I mean, he didn't go six five five six here. I mean, you know, two nine five seven four eight and counting. That's that's not even close because you know Husky Hawkins lists the eleven wins, only six of which are against the Pac ten, two against Arizona, one against WSU, UCLA doesn't count, Stanford and uh, a reeling Cal team. I mean, that's it. No signature. They're, they're really what they're what, even the Cal win, which supposedly is a signature win, and not where that team was at uh, mentally. And even well, if September, we would have been dancing in the streets at the thought of beating Cal. But but even if you give them a bone and call it a signature win, then what do you call uh, the the game afterwards? Just a bone crushing loss is what it was. It brings you. It shakes the whole program to its very core, and uh, and has people realizing that uh, waking up and realizing that w- there's been no progress, zero, and really for not just well, for three years, but for four years. Yeah. No, yep. everyone expected it to happen, too. So, I mean, it's, and I, I, you know, we're maybe we're getting a little melancholy uh, about the fact that, you know, it's nobody takes pleasure in, in anybody getting fired, um, but with some luck, uh, or maybe not luck, but some good, uh, reasoning skills, Ty will be fired. But the other side of the story is he alienated us. Uh, he was obstinate, um, arrogant, arrogant um, didn't understand uh, and didn't care to understand Husky football. I mean, he, he absolutely believes that Ty ball uh, supersedes uh, Husky football because it's the best kind of football around. And, and there, there's a point in there's a fine line between believing in yourself and and being in denial and not looking at your body of work and 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 looking like I've said before inward and finding out and finding out what you need to do to improve the, the guy just hasn't shown that kind of ability to adjust uh, to improve and um and and correct uh, his 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 failings as a football coach, and that's a, that's you know one of the strongest indictments on him to date. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what I could add to that. 